One of them since Mike already put something in there. I guess I have to pray when people put money in the bucket. <laughs> but before we do, we're going to open with a word of prayer and then a, a call to worship, okay? Father God, we thank you, Lord. We praise you for all of the goodness that you have poured out in our life. Lord, we want to walk circumspectly before you, Lord. Lord, tonight we ask that you would try our hearts. Lord, that you would look into them. Lord, that you would reveal any iniquity, any sin that is in us, God, that is not pleasing to you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to overcome. We pray, God, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Lord, we are living under a new and better covenant, Lord, than, than the blood of bulls and goats, Lord. We know that the Savior, Jesus Christ, poured out his blood and his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we just ask that your spirit would be with us tonight, that you would guide us into all truth. Lord, that you would let us honor you in our lives. And Lord, we pray that your grace, not only the grace that saves us, Lord, but the grace that keeps us will teach us to live upright and godly lives in this present age. Lord, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your presence. And we ask, Lord, that you would be honored tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you stand, please, for reading God's word. I'll be reading from the 47th Psalm. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord is most high. He is to be feared. A great king over all the earth, he subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, and the Lord with the sound of the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is king of all the earth. Sing praises with a song. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God, people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. Amen. Verse of that, I was crying my face off, okay? Look, I'm just telling you, and I'm going to talk about it here in a second, but I'm telling you, our Christian life has got to be about him. Because if it is not, we will fail, we will fall short, we will falter every time. Amen. It has got to be about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's let's pray. And then anybody, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to the nursery, but if anybody does, an adult has to go in there, and anyone eight and under can go, but everybody else needs to stay. Okay. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you are our high calling, that you are the mark, you are the gold, you are the prize, Lord, that we seek, that we run after. Lord, we ask that you would help each and every one of us remain faithful and persevere to the end, God. Let us not waffle and waver in our commitment to you, God, but let us wholly be changed and wholly run to Jesus' name. 
Lord, tonight we pray that you would help us. Give us your grace. Give us your mercy anew tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pray with him. 
Amen? Amen. Restoration can happen. Amen. Repentance is the first step. And I know that one of these brothers that I have talked about has already done that. But I'm telling you honestly, earnestly, that as your pastor, please be praying for me. Because, but for the grace of God, that could be me. We need to pray for these men who are in leadership and leading God's people that they would be faithful, that they would be steadfast, that they would be good witnesses unto Jesus Christ. And not for them only, but for every brother and sister that's in ministry that is speaking and preaching and declaring the name of Jesus, that they would be faithful, steadfast to the end, that they would persevere. Amen? Let's pray for them right now. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, for your mercy that is new every morning. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness that even when we, these wretched sack of dirt that we are, God, when we fail and falter, God, when we are faithless and unfaithful, God, you are always faithful. Lord, I thank you that even when men fail, God, that they can turn to you and run back to you in, for, in, in repentance and seek you in forgiveness, God, and that they can turn to you and be forgiven, God. But we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ all over Coffeeville, all over Kansas, all over the United States and around the world, God. That those who are truly regenerate, those who are truly born again, those who are truly walking in the Spirit of God, being led of the Spirit of God, and being empowered by the Spirit of God. Lord, we pray that you would keep them in your hand. And we know, God, that you are able to save to the uttermost those who are being saved, God. And we pray, God, that you would raise up a spirit of faithfulness in your people, in us, in those who we have just mentioned in prayer, God. That we would not tarnish or mangle or mutilate our witness for Jesus Christ, but that it would continue to grow and abound in the good works that, Lord Jesus, you would be glorified in my life, in my character, in my, in my uh, public appearance and in my private closet, in my private home time and my public life, God, let there be no difference. Let there be no shadow. Let there, no, let there not be anything different between where the way I am at home and the way I am in public, God. And if, if anyone is struggling with sin, God, I pray that you would, that you would correct, that you would rebuke, that you, God, would heal and help overcome 
Because without you, without your spirit, without the empowering work of Jesus Christ over sin, we will all fail, we will all fall, and we will all mess up. So, Lord, tonight I lift up my brothers, specifically the ones I'm thinking of, and more generally all those who are in ministry, brothers and sisters around the world, God, that you would lift them up and cause them to be faithful. Lord, we thank you and praise you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hold on just a moment. is the heavens. 
We still have water, but we don't have dry land, and we don't have seas, rivers, and all these things, right? It's just a big ball of water, right? There's waters above the waters, and there's a space in between the waters that we call the firmament, or the heavens. Amen? All right, so day two, or that was day two. Now we're on day three. Day three starts at verse nine. So we're going to read from verse nine. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place, and let dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters that he gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Now we have day three. Gordon, Will Gordon Winham says this, and I wanted to start with this because this is an adequate quote for what we're talking about. He says, but unlike the works of the first two days, the work of the third day involves no new creation, but more an organization of existing material. How, what's he talking about? First of all, God just says, let the waters be gathered into one place. Well, there was already water there, right? And then he says, let dry land appear. When you hear that term, let dry land appear, that means there was land there which is covered with water, right? So that's what we're talking about. I want to read a quick uh, note from my ESV study Bible. It says this concerning verse 9 through 13. Two further regions are now organized. Notice that first, what I said a minute ago, the only thing that's been organized so far is there's been a firmament, or the heavens have been put into place, right? All right, now watch this. <clears throat> Two further regions are now organized by God. The dry land forming to be specifically named by God. Then he uh, then instructs the earth to bring forth vegetation. Amen? Now, this is all very interesting. The waters form the seeds. Amen? While the creation of vegetation may seem out of place for day three, it anticipates what God will later say in verse 29 and 30 concerning food for both humans and other creatures. The creation of distinctive locations are in days one and two, uh, one, two and three, along with vegetation, prepares the earth and all the heavens to be filled on days four, five, and six. See that? Very, very important that we're going through a process here of getting the earth ready for life. Amen? 
was doing, right? That's exactly what God is doing right here. He's getting the earth ready for life. Notice, number one, the waters gathered into one place. Now, this term could make it seem like there was just one big continent, kind of like Pangea. Remember that when you taught Pangea in school? Anybody remember Pangea? Yeah. Anybody remember Pangea in school? Okay, good. I'm glad you don't. Okay, the young ones do. It's not what this is saying, okay? This is not telling you that there was one great big continent. Well, it says one place. Yes, he's telling you that the waters were all over the earth, and now he's going to start specifically gathering the waters to their own places. Well, how do you know he doesn't mean just one place? Well, because the next verse he says, the dry land he called, or the dry, the dry ground he called earth, and the waters he called seas, plural. Amen. Plural, not a sea, but the seas. That means we have water systems like we have today. Now we have seas and oceans and rivers. All that stuff is formed right here when he says, "Let the waters be gathered to one place." Amen? Amen. Now, second, on the dry land appearing, it said, note here that the land was covered by the water. The water didn't produce land. It was covering the land. It says that let dry land appear. Amen? The land was already there. It didn't say he created dry land. He said, let dry land appear. Amen? That means the land was there previously. Amen? I know this is real difficult to follow, right? Amen. <laughs> I want to read a little bit of Calvin had a very good take on this chapter. And I want to read I want to read what he said on verse 9. He said, And God said, Let the water under the skies be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. It, it also is an illustrious miracle that the waters by their departure have given place for people to live. Let us therefore know that we are dwelling on dry ground because God, by his command, has removed the waters so that they do not flood the whole earth. Amen. Notice this. What did he say in Psalms? I have set the sea or the land as a boundary to the sea that it shall not go past. Amen? That he separates waters from waters. Have you guys ever seen where salt water and, and, and fresh water meet? They look so completely different. And you can see it clear as day where the salt water is and where the fresh water is. And I was reminded of that verse when I read it. And there's also places where you can start out in fresh water and swim down and all of a sudden the water, you can look in the water and you can tell that it's changed. There's one level of this kind of water and one level of that kind of water and you can swim right through it. And there's also places where you can swim through uh, fresh water, go right through a big salt water patch and get right back down to even more fresh water. The way God has made the earth is amazing. And every time we 
learn more about the earth, we figure out that what this book says God did, he did. Amen? Right, right. I have, a, I have another note real quick that I'd like to read. This one was very good concerning verse 10. It says, in his third and final act of naming, now notice, this wasn't something that jumped out at me, but this is the last time God names something. Remember, Adam names all the other creatures, right? In his third and final act of naming, God demonstrates his authority over all of the earth and the seas. This contrasts with what Israel's polytheistic neighbors believed about the range of divine powers. Their gods were not all-powerful, but instead exercised authority over a limited territory. The God of Genesis 1 holds dominion over all things, everything, at all times, and in all places. And this is a big contrast for all the other peoples around them who believed in many gods and their gods were limited in what they could do. The God of the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible, the God of Genesis, is not hindered at all by anyone. Amen? Now, for all of those who think about salvation and how they limit God, uh, think again. The limitless, unlimited, infinite, all-powerful God is not limited by your human will. Just, just put that in perspective. If you were going to have a battle of wills over with God, who would win? Let's ask the real question. Because when we talk like we can outwill God, we are boasting in our own authority. Saying, God can't make anybody do anything. Tell that to Jonah. Tell that to Pharaoh. Tell that to Paul. Tell that, come on. Anybody, huh? Saul. Right, King Saul. Let's talk about this. God will win. And God is in control. And the more that we fight against that idea, the more we are out of step with what the Bible teaches, that God is in control always. Amen. Go ahead.
who develops new things, who talks about new Now, obviously, God allows depraved people to act depraved. So if they invent something really terrible, it's because they've done that. Yes, yes. Amen? Yes. And we can't hold God to that charge. Well, you know, the reality is the sovereignty of God does no violence to the free will of man. That's exactly expressly what biblical historic Christianity teaches. Period. 100% unequivocally. We all do have free will. The problem is most of us, when we're, no, I'm going to say most of us, all of us, when we don't know Jesus, are bent, are pre-programmed with sin. Nobody has to teach us how to sin. We figure that out real quick. Amen?
That's the point of examination. Amen? So that my sanctification that God is constantly doing in me continues to work out in me. Amen? But denying it or denying that you have to do it <laughs> is problematic at best. Amen? Amen? I think when I'm done with Genesis 1, what I want to do is talk a little bit of a doctrine about God and God's role in creation, God's role in salvation, God's role in human life and the existence of all things. I think we need to preach on the doctrine of God. Who is God? Amen? And then we can go through Genesis 2 and we may end up going, who's Jesus? And this seed of the woman that we're ending with and all that stuff. Mm. Well, that depends on how you look at it. Do you, That's what makes it unique. Right. That's right. God's seed. The woman that has seed. The Hebrew men believed that they planted the seed, but they also believed uh, they didn't know nothing about women having eggs, okay? So they just thought they were planting the baby, okay? They, they didn't have that information about human anatomy yet, okay? So they, they thought they planted the seed, that it was the seed of that. Now, the, the point of the seed in this, now notice, it doesn't say seeds. It says the seed of the woman, okay? Now, we could talk about uh, everything if we want to, but the reality is I believe that's the proto-evangelium, the proto-evangelium, or the first instance of the gospel talked about. Jesus is the promise of Savior, even in Genesis, where we have the seed of the woman. But anyway, back to today and day three. Amen? Amen. But I think we need to have a clear understanding of the awesomeness of God. And I think that's what we're talking about when we see God having control of all things. Amen? Amen. God's in control of all things, not just a little bit of creation, every single bit of creation. And if human beings think in their infinite or their finite being that they can outwill an infinite God, they have another thing coming. And I would really like for you to come to this altar if that's you, because we need to start playing with you. Amen? <laughs> Prayer line starts right there if you think you can outwill God. Uh, also, I had another little note here that I like to read. <laughs> it says, about verse 11, in preparation for the rise of animal and human life, God provided an abundant supply of food. The consistent biblical teaching is that like begats like. Notice that the seed bore its own kind. And this is going to be a phrase that goes throughout this 
the rest of creation and the birds uh, may may uh, may he after their own kind and the fish in the sea were made after their own kind and all the creeping things after their own kind and you understand all throughout this book that God has designed creation to be exactly what it is. Amen. And today, we are living in the age of onslaught where they want to say there isn't men and women. They want to say that there's no such thing as gender. I'm sorry, I think we ought to put all these people on their own island and see how long they live without procreating with the opposite sex. I think we would solve the conundrum that's obviously going on in their mind that there isn't biological males and biological females, okay? That's, that is just asinine to what we can see in real life. Amen? And I, I see a bunch of people starting to push back against this intrusion into reality because that's what it is they're wanting you to not see things the way they are the reality is there are men and there are women and there used there there can be anomalies we call those hermaphrodites right now they can be in between that but that's like less than one tenth of a percent of the entire population of the whole world And we're letting people tell us, well, I can identify as anything I want. It, Wesley's not said you can put a cat in the oven and don't make a biscuit. Thank you. Okay? The reality is, fine, you think you are that. That's different than being that thing. Okay? Now, I can, I can think all day long that I can swim as fast as Michael Phelps or run as fast as Usain Bolt with my club foot and crippled leg, but it isn't gonna happen, okay? The reality is that I'm made just the way I am. All my limitations and everything. And we must, as a people in America, stand up and say, we are tired of this onslaught that has been shoved down our throats. Because the word of God says that there's man and woman, and I can look with my own two eyes and see there's men and women. And to say anything else is not just anti-biblical, it's anti-reality. Because reality is there's men and there's women. And it's okay to be a woman, and it's okay to be a man. And I won't be ashamed of growing a beard or talking like a dude or liking fast cars or any of that stuff, okay? I won't. I'll be as macho as I want to be and I'll be as brass as I want to be. As long as I'm following what the Bible says and living for Christ, I'm fine. But I will not bow down to this cultural identity crisis that people who don't know God are going through. And the reality is, it's because they don't know God. Amen. It's because they're depraved in their heart and 
exactly it. That's exactly it. I have a note that I need to read out of the NIV before I get lost here. <laughs> that was a rabbit trail. I got, I, whoo, praise the Lord. Uh, we're going to read a few notes here. Number one, water under the sky and dry ground or land or seas. God created the second land and the third sea dominions that will support life. Now it says the second dominion was land, the third dominion was the sea. Okay, well, what was the first one? We already talked about that. The heavens, the sky, you know where the birds live? You know where they at? Huh? The birds hunt from there and all. That's what he's talking about. Amen? Not only that, he puts the stars in the heavens, right? Sun, moon, and the stars, all that good stuff. That's what he fills the heavens with, right? Notice that the birds didn't come from the heavens. Where'd they come from? Water. water. Fish, birds came from the water. We find that out on day five. Amen? So on day three, he finishes making the heavens, the waters, the dry ground. Amen? Amen. Yes, birds came from the waters. That's what it says. <laughs> All right, here we go. The term emphasizes that the seas and dry ground are distinct. This recalls the destructive power of these waters to flood coastal towns and cities and the limits that God has imposed on them. This boundary completes the three separate domains, sky, sea, and land. These are three arenas in which movement and life take place. Verse 11 through 13, these verses describe the last preparations for the coming of animal life and human life, producing the food for the living creatures or that the living creatures will consume, forms the final element in the great landscape that the divine artist has created. And then the NIV steps into the same domain that I just did and said, every seed-bearing tree and plant, fruit with seed in it, God enables plant life to reproduce. On the one hand, plants bear, uh, plants bear food, uh, excuse me, plants bear food not because people use the correct magic rituals to invoke God's storm and godliness of uh, fertility like the Asherah and Baal worshippers thought. You realize they felt like they had to uh, uh, please their God and worship him in a certain way so that God would make their harvests plentiful. But God is not asked for that because God does not demand that. Amen? Rather, God creates food with its own power to reproduce within his world. I love how they said in his world. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It ain't even the devil's world. It's God's. Woo! That's 
the whole world in debate. Rather, God created food with power to reproduce within his world so it does not run out. This envisions abundant food to provide for all the life that God creates uh, in the garden, in chapters 2 and 3, according to their various kinds. This message, or may, this may refer either to each species or kind of plant reproducing in abundance with its parent plant, beans do not produce corn. Funny, right? Obviously. Or to many kinds of plants and trees. Now, I would guess that it means the first thing. That it means beans don't produce corn. Why do I think it's that? Because this is a theme that goes throughout the Bible. Jesus said, do thorn bushes produce figs? Come on. He's telling you, you reproduce after your own kind. And when he tells us as Christians, Christians, you'll know them by their fruit. Because a Christian tree will produce Christian fruit or the fruit of Christ. Amen? And a worldly person claiming to be a Christian will produce only worldly fruit. Thus you will know them by their fruit. And I'm going to say it with Genesis 1 language in mind. You will know them by their kind. Amen? <clears throat> I thought about this for quite a little while when I was getting ready for this sermon. And I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to be level-headed, and I don't think I made it that far. <clears throat> I want to point out a couple of notes from verse 9. Number one, the waters gathered into one place does not mean Pangea. It later on describes seas using the term Seas being multiple, amen. Dry land appeared. Nothing, uh, the land was covered by the water. The land wasn't made. It was simply made to appear, amen. Uh, also, verse 10, God names the dry ground and the sea. And that's the last thing God names, amen. Now, also, God names the seas, seas. Plural. I'm going to use that again. Plural. Meaning there's more than one. Amen. Amen. Uh, number one on verse 11 through 12. Preparing earth for day six. God is preparing earth for day six. Now watch this. <clears throat> the reason God and Moses ties day three to day six is number one. Animals came from where? The dry ground, right? Let the dry ground produce animals, right? And then it says, God created man from the what? The dust of the earth. That's why day three is especially made for us because that's when plant life began to come into existence. And he did it so that the people and the animals that lived on the land would have food to eat. Amen? <clears throat> after this, he says everything after its own kind. And we 
know that this continues throughout the rest of the creation process. Amen. Day four, we have the, uh, 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 the stars and the moons. Everything's put in the sky, right? And then day five and six, every animal after its own kind. Amen. This is reiterated in chapter two. My last note I have for you. <coughs> From Gordon J. Winham, modern readers tend to be preoccupied with scientific and historical questions about the origin of the world. Whereas the Old Testament is describing how our world came to be, is at the same time suggesting a moral stance that needs to be adopted towards the natural order. Things are made the way they are because God made it so. And men and women should accept his decree. The implication, though not stated, is very clear. God has distinguished and created distinctions in his creation that man ought not to confuse. You go to Leviticus 19. 19, Deuteronomy 22, 9 through 11. I want to go look at Leviticus 19 and 19 real fast just to get some background of where Win uh, Winham is getting his uh, logic from in this scripture, okay? Let's go look at 1919, okay? Gotcha. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 19, verse 19. Keep ye my statutes. Thou shalt not lay with cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not lay thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Thou shalt not sow thy fields with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment be mingled with uh, uh, linen and woolen come upon thee. Why is God making the distinction? Because God made a distinction in all these animals in real life. Realize that cows can't sleep with sheep? They can try, but it will never make a baby. Ever. Not ever. You realize that no animal on the planet can reproduce with anything but its own kind. Anything. Now, people, oh, well, what about all these different kind of dogs? That's the point. They're all dogs. Amen. So dogs can make a variety of all kinds of different dogs, but they are all dogs. You will never have a cat dog Amen. because cats can only produce cats. Trees, apple trees only produce apples. Come on, man. This is this is a rocket science, right? After its own kind. This is something that goes all that even goes into the law. Amen. Do you realize that what we fight over, most of the arguments that humankind are having right now, God has already solved. Do you realize that the Bible never once ever condones slavery? Not once. 
It knew slavery was a thing. But do you realize that there was laws about treating slaves rightly and doing good to them and treating them like your family? You understand that? They weren't to be treated like slaves. That's the way the law was written. And we're also arguing about gender. When the Bible already solved this, God created them male and female. And the only, this is for your own notes, the only, the only definition of marriage in the Bible is one man, one woman. Amen. That's marriage. Anything else, it's not marriage. Well, you know, the, the kings had all kinds of wives and they were told not to. Solomon, who had the most wives anybody ever had, was told not to do that. He was told specifically not to do that. Not to even, he was told, don't acquire horses. He done that. He had more horses than anybody ever had in their whole life. You realize that? He was told not to. Don't acquire cattle. And he had more than anybody ever could have had. The Bible solves this problem. But men love darkness rather than light, which speaks more to the depraved nature of humanity than anything else I could say. Calvin saw this very thing. He, he saw that the principles that God had laid out again, that God is the author of life and nothing grew until God commanded it and it grew the way. God commanded it. Amen? Amen? So my approach to tonight was God was setting everything in order so that all the life that he was about to create could be sustained. And when you look at your life and you think about where you're at with Christ, you got to understand that God had set everything up and then he spoke to your heart. God had you in mind, had a plan and a purpose. That's why he could look at Jeremiah and wholeheartedly say, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And I, and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. Amen? Brother and sister in Christ, Lost person that may watch this video, God has a plan for you. Amen? Amen. The things in your life were not mistakes, they weren't accidents, they were all allowed, if not ordained of God. I'm not saying God ordains evil, but what I'm saying is God doesn't always move us out of the path that could hurt us. Sometimes God allows us to go through suffering and trial and heartache and hardship to mold us, to shape us into what he wants us to be. Because we are his workmanship, created in him unto good works. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great work in creation. Lord, we thank you that you took so much care and so much time, Lord, 
to make sure the earth was ready to sustain life. Lord, whatever side of this scientific debates we fall on, let us all realize that you created all things, that you sustain all things, and that without you, everything would come to nothing. Lord, we ask that you would help us as we leave this place to realize that we are leaving this building but never leaving your presence. Help us to understand, God, that we walk with you even in our secret closet. You see those things that we do in secret, God. And I pray that as tonight would speak to the heart of anyone listening or anyone watching, God, that they would know that they know that they know they can hide nothing from you. You are almighty over all of your creation. You are fully, completely in charge. And Lord, we ask that you would change us, mold us, and shape us into the image of your dear son who loved us and gave himself for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.